today is Baptism Sunday. We love celebrating baptism here at Generation Church because we love celebrating new life in Jesus. And if you've been coming to our church for even just a few weeks and you stay to the end of service, which I highly encourage, you've probably seen some people being baptized. And maybe you've been watching people get baptized. We do it often. We get to celebrate baptism the second Sunday of every month. And you know what? I'm grateful that I get to go to a church where God is moving and people are constantly and continuing, uh, continually choosing to follow Jesus so we can have water baptism the second Sunday of every month. I mean, can we give God praise for that? But maybe you've seen water baptism and you've wondered something like, what's that about? Or why are these people so excited? Or maybe you've been sitting in the crowd watching people be baptized and you've wondered, is that something that I should do? Or maybe you have been water baptized and you're just not even like 100% sure why you got baptized. Anybody in the room had this experience? You had a radical encounter with Jesus and you just dived all in and you didn't have to understand anything. You're like, what's next? I'm in. What's next? I'm in. What's next? I'm in. Anybody have that experience? So you got baptized, but you're not really sure maybe 100% why. Or maybe this is common in our church today. You've been a Christian for a long time. Praise God. So you were baptized years and years and years ago, and now you just never really think about it anymore. You checked that box and you never looked back. So whoever you are, wherever you fall in the list that I just mentioned, I pray and I hope that today I can either help you understand or remind you today of the deep spiritual significance of water baptism. It's a monumental moment in the life of every single believer. Baptism is a physical action that represents a supernatural transformation. Anyone been supernaturally transformed by the power of Jesus? It represents the old you being dead, buried, and gone, and your new life in Jesus beginning. Colossians 2.12 says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So today we're going to talk about understanding baptism. Understanding baptism. We're gonna talk about what it is, maybe correct some misconceptions that you may have. And then we're also gonna talk about what it represents. Are you ready this morning? First, let's talk about what is baptism. Five things that I want you to know about baptism today. First, baptism is an ordinance. It's an ordinance. Catholics call them sacraments, but we as Protestants, we say ordinance. And there are two ordinances that we practice that we find in the New Testament. First, communion, the Lord's Supper, and second, water baptism. To help you understand, an ordinance is just an ordinary practice with deep spiritual significance. They're ordinary, they're common, it happens often. Now, sometimes we can think of the word ordinary and we think, you know, something mundane or boring, like doing the dishes. It's an ordinary day when you have to do 
the dishes. But these ordinances that we're talking about today are anything but mundane and boring because Jesus told us to do them. So if Jesus told us to do them, we should be excited about them. First, he told us to take communion. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And second, he told us to be baptized. And if Jesus said it, we should do it, amen? Second, baptism is a command for all Christians. Matthew 28 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. What commands? It's not a true question. All the commands. We want to obey every single thing Jesus has told us to do. And what's the very first command for a new Christian? Be baptized. Be baptized. Now, this isn't a, like super add-on for Christians that are like superpower Christians, right? This is a command for all believers, for all time. Be saved and be baptized. So I just wanna make this really clear for you today. This is a command from Jesus, our Lord and King, so it's not optional. Baptism for believers is not optional. Third, baptism doesn't save, but it shows you're saved. Mark 16, 16, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Now you might read this and notice that it says anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. And that might lead you to think that you need to believe and be baptized to be saved. But there are many other places in scripture that make it very clear that we are only saved by God's grace through faith. We are saved by God's grace alone through faith, not through faith and baptism. And there's even evidence for this right here in this scripture. It says, anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. It doesn't say baptism in that second part of this scripture. So it's belief in Jesus alone that saves. Baptism is not what saves, but it is what shows you're saved. Because Jesus commanded us to be baptized. Being baptized shows that you have faith in Jesus. Why? Because faith always leads to obedience. So it's not the actual water of baptism that saves us, okay? There's some bad theology out there that says that it's the moment you go down in the water that you're saved. But friends, that's not accurate. We are saved simply by faith in Jesus only because of God's grace. Well, we have our water baptism tank set up over here. And at the end of service today, we're gonna see people be water baptized, but there's nothing special about the water in that tank, okay? It's just water. It comes out of the hose, just like the water at your house, okay? It's just water. There's nothing special about it. Doesn't smell good. Doesn't taste special. 
If you have to get baptized at the end, (laughs) it's just water. There's nothing special about it, but it's not about the water. It's about what the water represents, that you've been saved and you're being baptized as an act of obedience. And we see this highlighted even by Jesus in Matthew chapter three. God wanted Jesus to be baptized as an example for us. Jesus is about to start his ministry and he goes to his cousin, John. We call him John the Baptist not because he was Baptist, but because he was baptizing people. So Jesus goes to his cousin, John, and he says, John, I want you to baptize me. And John says, "Mm, no, Jesus, you should be baptizing me. Why did John say that? Because to John, baptism represented repentance of sin and Jesus had never sinned. But Jesus is like, I'm Jesus, John, do what I say. (laughs) Jesus insisted and he said in Matthew 3, 15, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So what did John do? He agreed to baptism (laughs) because if Jesus says it, we do it, right? So if you're here today wondering, should I be baptized? Jesus always already answered that question for you. Yes, what did he say? It should be done. Yes, you should be baptized. Why? We must carry out all that God requires. And he requires all his followers to be baptized. Now this might bring up some what if questions for you. So I'm just gonna quickly answer a few what if questions that you may be having today. First, what if I was baptized in a different religious background? For example, especially here in Arizona where we live, there are a lot of people that were baptized in the Mormon church. So I just want to make it very clear that if you were previously baptized in any other church, or any other religion that doesn't believe in and preach the Jesus of the Bible, when you come to saving faith in the true Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, you should be baptized then. Maybe you're thinking, what if I was baptized as a baby? We get this question a lot. And just hear me out, okay? Being baptized as a baby might be a sweet concept, but it is not a biblical practice. There is no New Testament scripture or example of an infant being baptized. In the Bible, which is our source of information, everyone who was baptized believed first. Let's look at Mark 16, 16 again. It says, Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. It doesn't say anyone whose parents believe and baptize them. You have to make the decision for yourself. 
Following Jesus is a choice you have to make. You cannot rely on your parents or your grandma's faith to save you. You have to choose to follow Jesus. And after you have made that choice, when you say, I personally believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to be saved, when you say, I decide to follow Jesus, that's when you are baptized. Number four, baptism happens immediately. Now, this is a common struggle that I see people have a lot. They accept Jesus by faith, but then they aren't sure if they're ready to be baptized. Just not sure I'm ready for that yet. You have this false idea that if you still have issues, you're not ready to be baptized. Listen, my friend, if you are waiting till you don't have any issues in your life to be baptized, you're gonna be waiting a real long time. Because there will never be a day this side of heaven where you don't have issues. Baptism happens immediately. You have to know, baptism is not the finish line. It's the starting line. Baptism is not a graduation where you go, you know what, I have arrived. I have it all figured out. I'm ready to be baptized. No, my friend. It's not a graduation ceremony. It's a celebration of what Jesus has done in your life. When you are baptized, you are celebrating that Jesus has saved you. It has nothing to do with your own uh, situation in life. We're celebrating what Jesus has done in your life. We see this uh, in Saul, with Saul in the New Testament. If you don't know, Saul was fighting against Christianity. He was persecuting Christians and Jesus met him where he was at and he saved him radically. And he changed his status and Paul, he changed his name to Paul and he decided to follow Jesus. And after Saul was converted to Christianity, Ananias said to him in Acts 22, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. So today, if you have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you have not been water baptized yet, God is saying to you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. It's time, my friends, it's time. And number five, baptism is public. It's public. Your faith is personal, yes, but it was never meant to be private. Christianity is not a private faith. God has called us to go into the world and preach the gospel, not go into the world and hide in the corner so you don't offend anybody. We're supposed to go into the world and preach the gospel, share the good news, tell people what Jesus has done in your life, how he saved you, redeemed you, changed you. It's a public faith and it starts 
with your baptism. Your baptism is your public declaration of the inward transformation that Jesus has made in your life. Now you don't need a huge audience for it to count, right? But it shouldn't be something that is hidden. So today I wanna encourage you to get baptized here at church for a few reasons. First, we as your church family want to celebrate with you what Jesus has done in your life. As your church family, we wanna support you. We wanna encourage you. We wanna cheer you on in the things of God. And anytime you take a step in your relationship with Jesus, you take a step of obedience towards the Lord. We as your church family want to be there to cheer you on. That's what your church family is for, to celebrate the things of God in your life. And secondly, being baptized here at church is a fantastic opportunity for you to invite people to come to church with you. There are probably people in your life who would never step into the doors of a church on a normal Sunday. But if you go to whoever you love and whoever loves you and you say, mom, will you please come watch me be baptized? What do you think she's gonna say? Will you please come support me as I'm being baptized? Nine times out of 10, that person is going to say yes. So as you decide to be baptized and you invite all the people in your life to come and see you make this public declaration of what Jesus has done in your life, they will come they will see what Jesus has done in you and they will also hear that Jesus loves them. Your personal invitation for somebody to come see you be baptized could change their eternity. How powerful is that? And since I'm preaching on this today, we added an opportunity for you all to be baptized next Sunday. You're welcome. <laughs> So if you haven't been water baptized yet and you are a follower of Jesus, this is your opportunity. All you have to do is open up the church app, go to next steps, click on I wanna be baptized, sign up, and then all week you can invite every single person you know to come and celebrate your new life in Jesus. And if you can't do it next Sunday, that's okay. We do it the second Sunday of every month. So you have plenty of opportunity to sign up and take a step of obedience in what God has told you to do. It's time, friends. Be water baptized. Believe and be baptized. So now we know what baptism is. Now, let me talk for just a few minutes about what it represents. Water baptism represents something so powerful, so profound, so significant for us as believers. Baptism represents three things, a cutting, a cleansing, and a new beginning. A cutting, a cleansing, and praise Jesus, a new beginning. First, baptism represents a cutting. In Genesis 21, God commanded Abraham to circumcise his only son, Isaac, when he was eight days old. 
Now, if you don't know what circumcision is, ask your parents, because <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> but I will say it involves a cutting. And circumcision was the sign of the covenant between God and his people. The sign that God promised to save through his one and only son. A promise to Abraham that extended to all of God's people. And the sign that you are, were a recipient of this covenant and a follower of the one true God is that you were circumcised. It was the way you showed you were one of God's people. Now, as New Testament Christians, it's a little bit different for us. Amen. <laughs> Colossians 2.11. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Amen. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. When you get baptized, it's a sign that the old you is cut off. The person you used to be is completely cut away. In the Old Testament, they cut away the flesh in a physical circumcision, but now we have our sinful flesh cut away and it's represented in our baptism. Let's do some real talk for a minute today. We like that here at Generation Church. Sometimes people who become Christians, they like a lot of what Jesus has to offer. They like his promises. They like the idea of God's blessing. They like Jesus's teaching on loving your neighbor and they like knowing that God the Father loves them. But at the same time, they also wanna hold on to some of the sin from their old life. We can sometimes think that we can walk with Jesus with one hand and the world with the other. And that is just not how it works. That is not the life that Jesus died to give us. We cannot grab on to all that God has to offer us, all of his blessings, all of his promises, all of his goodness, all of his freedom. We cannot grab on to all of those things and drag our old sinful self behind us at the same time. We have to cut off our sinful nature. And anything other than this, thinking that we can hold on to both, even thinking that we can grab on to all that God has for us and maybe just keep a little sin in our pocket, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell that Satan wants to whisper in your ears to keep you from living your full and abundant life in Jesus. Because sin hurts us. Sin keeps us away from God. Sin is nasty and gross. So let me give you a nasty and gross example this morning. Holding on to your old sinful ways, carrying them around, even just keeping some in your pocket. It's like carrying around some of that old dried up foreskin of a circumcision. 
that's nasty. <laughs> but carrying around your old sin is just as nasty. It's actually more gross. But we do it all the time. We try to hold on to our old self, but we have to know that baptism is a physical action for all believers, men and women, to show that the old is gone. It's cut off. It's not there anymore. We have to say goodbye. That old self is dead and buried. So what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you today? It means it's time to say goodbye to your sinful nature. Say goodbye. We just entered into a new year and it's really trendy and popular to post all your ins and outs on social media. All the things you wanna bring into this year and all the things you want out of this year. Let me just tell you a few of the things that should be on your out list as a follower of Jesus in 2024. Out with your old selfish desires out with idols you used to serve, out with the person who rebelled against God. Those people, your old self is buried beneath the waters of baptism. When you are baptized and you go down into the waters, it's like a funeral for your old sinful self. But this funeral is not sad. It's a celebration of the new you that is only because of Jesus. The only thing you want to say to the old self is good riddance, see you never. We also get to say out goodbye to the way you used to respond to temptation. The waters of baptism represent a cutting away of the old sinful you, but it's not like superpowers. When you go down and you come up and you no longer are tempted to sin because we live in a broken, fallen world, but you can now change the way you respond to that temptation. There will be moments when the enemy tempts you, tempts you to return to the person you used to be. The enemy will come and try to whisper to you, oh, she really hurt your feelings. You just, you just go back to gossiping about her behind her back like you used to be. Or, oh, your spouse hasn't been treating you right. It's okay, it's okay. Just turn somewhere else, look outside, it's fine. Or maybe your job isn't appreciating you. It's okay, you can just take that like you used to. You can just steal that like you used to. Temptation will come, but baptism reminds you, you're not that person any longer. You might even feel some of the old, old ways, the old desires starting to stir up inside of you. And when you feel that temptation coming, when you feel that stirring coming, you can say confidently, no devil, back up. The guy who lost his temper, he's dead. The girl who used to gossip, she's buried. The person who cheated is gone, dead, buried, gone, cut off, goodbye to my sinful nature. I am not that person anymore. 
So first, there's a cutting. And second, baptism represents a cleansing. In Exodus, Exodus, we read, then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze wash basin with a bronze stand. Place it between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and feet there. They must wash with water whenever they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord and when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord or they will die. They must always wash their hands and feet or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be observed from generation to generation. Let me explain this for a minute. I have a picture of the Old Testament tabernacle for you. And when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, they would set up a temporary way to meet with God. And they called it the tabernacle, which means dwelling place. And God's presence was actually dwell in the tabernacle or the tent of meetings as we call it sometimes. And this is an accurate representation of the tabernacle described in the Bible. But you need to know that only priests could go in to the tabernacle. So if you weren't a priest, you had no access to God's presence. And the priests had to go through a set order of steps before they could actually enter into the tent of meeting. First, they had to sacrifice at the altar. And that's the first square you see there. They had to sacrifice at the altar because blood had to be sacrificed to pay the debt of their sin. The only way to pay the price of sin is with blood. So they would go and they would sacrifice. And then after that, they would move on to wash in the wash basin. This is what we just read about in Exodus 30. They would wash their hands and their feet physically to represent a cleansing from sin. Then, and only then, after blood was shed and they were washed, could they enter the dwelling place where God's presence was. Then they could meet with God. Now it's commonly said today that God accepts you just as you are. You've probably heard that. But I wanna tell you today that that's not technically correct. Yes, Jesus died for the sins of all people who choose to follow him. That is correct. But God cannot accept you when you have the stain of sin still on you. God does not accept stained goods. He never has, he never will. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's holy, he's righteous, he's perfect, and he only accepts perfection. And when we have sin in our lives, it leaves a spiritual stain on us. Sin is messy, it stinks, it hurts people, it hurts you, and we cannot come into the fullness of his presence until we are washed clean. Look at this in Acts chapter two in the New Testament. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the exact parallel here to what we just saw in the Old Testament? 
Jesus had to have his blood shed to pay the debt for our sins. It wasn't shed on the altar, but it was shed on the cross. The blood he shed paid the price for your sins. The blood he shed paid the price for my sins. Then you have to be washed clean of the stain of that sin. And that is represented by your baptism. When you go down in the water, a washing is taking place. And after that, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is a parallel here between the Old Testament worship system and the New Testament relationship we have with God through Jesus. You cannot enter God's presence stained by sin. So God sent Jesus into our presence so that he could pay the price for our sin so that we could be made clean so that he could wash us. Now, we don't have to go to God's presence in a tent. God's presence comes and dwells inside of us. What a sweet and precious gift that is. I have a daughter, her name is Lila. She just turned four, she's perfect. And she's also really, really, really messy. And she is in this season of life. Anyone who has ever had a toddler knows she cannot keep her shirt clean. (laughs) It is impossible for her to come home at the end of the day and not have a stain on her shirt. And as her mother who loves her, when I'm changing her clothes into her jammies at night, I don't walk into the laundry room and keep a record of all of the stains that she has on her shirt. And God, your father, he doesn't keep a record of your stains either because he loves you. And your stains, your sin has been removed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are able to be washed and made clean. When you decided to follow Jesus, I want you to really understand this deep in your soul today. When you decided to follow Jesus, his blood paid the price for all your stains and you have been washed clean. But some of you, some of you, you have spent your whole life feeling identified by the stains of your sin that Jesus already paid the price for. And because of Jesus's blood that was shed, you can be completely forgiven. You can be completely washed clean. What does this mean for you today? That it's time to say goodbye to the stain of sin. It is time to say goodbye to the stain of sin. Your baptism, when you're fully submerged in that water, everything is getting washed on the heavy wash cycle, my friends. All your past sinful thoughts, all your past mistakes, everything that you've struggled with, listen, in your past and in your future, have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And when you go 
down in that water, when you are water baptized, it's a physical representation that you went down dirty and you come up washed spiritually clean in God's sight, completely clean. The stain of sin is gone. It's completely gone. The past mistakes are gone. The shame is gone. There is no room for shame for a believer in Jesus. They're gone completely. And Mr. Clean has nothing on Jesus. There is no stain that he cannot get out. He makes you perfectly clean. God then accepts the new you, listen, who is spiritually and eternally clean. Once the son has made you clean, you cannot become dirty in the father's sight. Sin cannot penetrate the protective covering of Christ's blood that was shed on the cross. So what does that mean? It means that you can boldly and confidently enter into God's presence. You can say goodbye completely to the stain of sin and shame. Praise the Lord. So first, there's a cutting. Second, there's a cleansing. And lastly, today, there's a new beginning. Amen, amen. A new beginning. In John chapter three, Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. What does this mean for you today? That it's time to say hello to your new life your new life in Jesus, your abundant life in Jesus. That's what's in and everything else is out. For Christians, when we put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus, first we are united with him in death all of our sin, shame, mistakes, stains are dead. They're buried in the tomb with Jesus. And then we are also united with him in life. As he walks out of that tomb, a resurrected savior, we also receive that life. All your junk, guilt, sin, shame, brokenness, imperfection, they're gone because they're buried, but now we get to share in the reward of Jesus. All, all the good things Jesus earned on the cross are now yours, all of them. When Jesus walked out of that tomb full of glory, he made a way for your life to be covered in God's glory. Jesus has the victory, so you already have the victory. Jesus has eternal life, so you have eternal life. 
all that Jesus earned on the cross, all of it is yours. So if you've ever wondered, what do I get with my new life in Jesus? Everything. Everything you could ever need is now yours because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. And it is represented in our water baptism. And it's an ordinance because it's something that we should participate in on a regular basis. And every single time you see somebody get water baptized, yes, we celebrate the new life in Jesus. Those of you who are being baptized today, congratulations. We are celebrating your new life in Jesus today. But listen, we're not just celebrating their new life. We're celebrating the new life of every single believer in Jesus. And that includes you. So every single time you see somebody being baptized, you should remember what Jesus did for you and celebrate that, your new life, the victory that you have, that your old sinful self is dead, gone, buried, and you walk in the fullness of God's grace and love and power and goodness and promises. Don't ever forget or take for granted what Jesus did for you. And as we are getting ready to celebrate with those who are being baptized today, I'm just gonna ask you to stand for a moment and close your eyes as we respond to this sermon. First, if you're in the room today and you've been hearing me talk about this new life in Jesus, Maybe you're here, maybe you're at one of our other campuses or even online today watching and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. You're carrying around the guilt, the shame, the sin, and you've never surrendered that to God. Today is your day. If you want to follow Jesus, I'm gonna just lead you in a prayer in your heart today. It's not a magic prayer, but it's just you deciding to follow Jesus for yourself. If that is you today, pray with me. God, we are so grateful that you sent Jesus to live a sinless life so that he could die on the cross and pay the price for my sins. And I believe that he rose again three days later I know and believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and the only way to be saved. So today I lay down my life to Jesus. I ask you Lord to forgive me of my sins, to make me clean, to make me whole. And from this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, can we just celebrate with those who decided to follow Jesus today? And listen, we're gonna take a few moments to worship and then we're going to watch people be baptized. And I just encourage you in the next few moments, let's pray.
praise God for who He is, for what He has done, and the victory that we have because of Him. Come on, church, let's worship and celebrate God's goodness today.